Hello and welcome to Faith Amplify with Stacey Camille. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite books and uh, authors. Uh, For the last couple of months, I have been reading uh, quite a few books from uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. Uh, that is Michael spelt the regular way M-I-C-H-A-E-L uh, Heiser H-E-I-S-E-R uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. Heiser uh, he is a biblical scholar and uh, has one of the most popular books uh, The Unseen Realm Recovering the the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. I read this book, I think uh, about maybe in October of last year, and I have been hooked ever since. Now, Dr. Heiser is no longer with us, but his work still lives on in his online school and uh, online articles and, of course, in his Uh, books where we can read about angels I think there is a book on demons there is also uh, a book um, uh, if I can recall I dare you to find the bible boring I think one of those but if you go on Amazon and look up Dr. Michael Heiser you can find all his books and I have not been bored uh, since I believe I have one more to read but they are fascinating and have opened up my eyes to quite a few mysteries in the Bible. And it's actually solved uh, quite a few questions, actually answered a few questions that I've had. You know, we tend to just gloss over some of those passages. Um, If you've heard those passages related to the sons of God and the daughters of men and that uh, situation there in Genesis 6, I believe. Um, those that that's one of those kind of scriptures that is controversial. So people kind of just gloss that over. Well, Dr. Heiser answers that um, the question about the Nephilim and and all of those things that are touchy where people just don't want to uh, address at all. Uh, Dr. Heiser covers it. So today we are going to be talking about the divine counsel. All right. So let's get right into it. So. What is the divine counsel? I'm going to give you an official definition and then we're going to break it down a little bit. So the divine counsel is a theological concept that refers to a spiritual assembly of divine beings or gods with lowercase g presided over by the supreme God, uppercase G. Uh, This assembly participates in the governance of the cosmos and the affairs of humanity. So Psalm 82 provides a vivid depiction of this council and presenting a scene where God stands in judgment among the gods. Okay. So it starts at Psalm 82 one. So let's take a closer look here. So Psalm 82 opens up with this powerful scene where God is depicted as standing in the assembly of El. Um, so God is Yahweh is judging among the Elohim gods, right? So we know if you study the Bible that 
uh, uh, Elohim is a name or title uh, bestowed upon the Almighty God Yahweh as well. But uh, Elohim is also used to describe other spiritual beings in the Bible, and there are many uh, verses that cover that. So go ahead and do your own research. But when Elohim is used to describe other spiritual beings in the Bible, there's always a lowercase e. And when, um, and we know Elohim is plural, right? We know L-E-L is singular, Elohim is plural. And so when Elohim lowercase e is used, you're talking about other spiritual beings that are a part of the spiritual realm. So pretty much any being that is not in our realm, alive, natural, and that's a part of the spiritual realm, uh, is referred to in the Hebrew world as the Elohim. And so basically the premise that Dr. Heiser is putting forth here throughout the book is that uh, God Yahweh and all the spiritual boons, they're all Elohim. They're all referred to as Elohim, but there is no Elohim like Yahweh, right? He, all those other created spiritual beings are created by Elohim. So he is the supreme and these other Elohim are created by him. And they are also referred to as the sons of God, morning stars, um, you know, and other titles in the Bible. So this psalm in particular, uh, also there's a couple of scenes in, let me just drop this in. There's also a couple of scenes in Job, uh, the very popular scene where uh, Satan presents himself um, uh, in the assembly to, to accuse Job um, or actually to accuse God of uh, favoring Job and um, not being, you know, righteous and all those things. And you, you have that whole scene playing out there. And there's also a scene, I want to say there's two more. I think there's one in Zechariah and one in Ezra where there's a scene played out there. There are scenes played out there where uh, the assembly of God, uh, they're coming together and there's like a court scene going on um, in those two places. So that's where you kind of see the conversation and the relationship between Yahweh uh, the Supreme Elohim uh, speaking to conversing with um, the, the other Elohim, right? The sons of God there. So this particular Psalm for, for this episode, we're focusing on Psalm 82. So this particular Psalm is unique in that it's uh, it portrays or it's a portrayal of God's judgment against the Lord, against the gods for their injustice and partiality and governance. So verses two to four criticize, uh, he criticizes these gods for failing to uphold justice, particularly the, for the poor, the fatherless and the afflicted. Um, and, you know, just, just not doing their job. Right. So the Psalm concludes with, a uh, call for God, Yahweh, to rise and judge the earth for all nations belong to him. All right. So that is 82.8. So let's just take a look at that. And I am reading the New Living Translation. But in any translation, it's the same scene playing out. Uh, so here it is. So God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan, uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute, 
rescue the poor and helpless, deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. I say, you are God's lowercase g. You are all children of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. So even if you uh, take a look at, you know, verses six and seven, some people will say, well, he's saying children of God, and that's referring to us. Well, not really, because then in seven, it says, but you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. So obviously he's talking about uh, beings that are not mortals. He's telling them they're going to die like mortals, right? So think about that. So what is Dr. Heiser's interpretation here? So when he explores the divine counsel, especially in Psalm 82, he challenges many traditional interpretations. So Heiser, like I said before, argues that the gods, lowercase g, L-O-M, in this Psalm are not mere idols, Okay, or representations of nations, but actual divine beings or members of God's heavenly host. This interpretation is grounded in understanding of the ancient Near Eastern context, where divine counsel of God's was a common motif in the religion surrounding ancient Israel. So, Heiser is, uh, Heiser's analysis of um, uh, of this whole situation really emphasizes the monotheistic understanding of the Bible while acknowledging the existence of a supernatural realm, uh, which is populated by uh, create beings that are created and they are subordinate to the supreme God. So when we say God, we're not saying that there are multiple gods. I know us oneness folks will lose our minds if we hear Anything that resembles um, that there's like multiple gods floating around, that's definitely not what Dr. Heiser is saying. He's saying that there is a divine council and obviously not just what he's saying, what the Bible is saying. And it's very, very clear. There is a divine council. There are many times where God speaks to spiritual, other spiritual beings in the Bible um, and, and either gives them direction on what to do or... They're speaking back to him, like the situation where the lying uh, spirit um, uh, presented itself to when God was asking um, who is going to uh, entice King Ahab. I think God already decided that Ahab was going to die. Right. So it was like, okay, well, who's going to execute this decision? So it's almost like a judge has already made a decision that is going to happen um, and then he allows these members, these LOM of the divine council to execute what he's already decided. And one of these spirits presented itself and said, okay, I'm going to do it. I am going to be a lying spirit. Um, I think in his advisor's mouth or something like that. And then, you know, basically Ahab, um, ends up dying there. So that's, how uh, that works. So, of course, we always want to have scriptural references in 
uh, for these things. So the concept of the divine counsel is not just in Psalm 82. There are other scriptures where we see this assembly. So there's first Kings 22, 19 uh, to 23, uh, where there uh, Micaiah describes a vision of the Lord sitting on his throne with all the hosts of heaven standing around him. There's also Job 1, 6 to 12, Job 2, 1 to 7 also depicts a scene, of course, where the sons of God present themselves before the Lord, suggesting that a, there's a council setting. There's like he sits down to judge and all these um, beings come around him. And, you know, like I said, they make decisions on. Uh, humanity, what's going to happen, but God makes the final decision or he has already made a final decision and allows Elohim to go out and execute what he's already decided. Uh, so that's um, that there. So this motif is also seen in the Canaanite religions where the God El, they also had a God named El, presides over a council of gods, including Baal, Asherah, and others. And um, Dr. Heiser also covers you know, the dispute or um, the reason why he did not want the Hebrews to interact with these other nations. And it's because there's these rival so-called gods um, that are similar, have a similar setup to, you know, the Hebrew God, the, the, the supreme God, actually the, the only God. So he also delves into what that rival looks like and actually why there is that rival there and why uh, the Hebrews were not allowed to mix with the other nations. OK, so Heiser points out that understanding these cultural and religious contexts is crucial for interpreting the Bible and the divine counsel. And as I was reading this book, I was like, wow, yeah, this answers a lot of my questions concerning uh, how many laws the uh, Hebrews had, there was about 600 and something laws that were given for them. And a lot of them had to do with separation, separation of species, separation of the nation, separation, 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 do not mingle. That is a common theme throughout the Bible. And it's because of also what took place at the Tower of Babel, but that's a whole nother book. So what are the implications of this theology. So Heiser's work on the divine council offers like a really profound implication, right? It enriches our understanding of the supernatural world view. So imagine that that there is this court of heaven where we are now allowed to present our case to God because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. So that that veil there is torn down, we're able to also present our case just like these um these sons of God are allowed to present themselves among the assembly through our prayers, we're allowed to also present our case to God and that kind of like opened up my eyes to what's really going on here and it really also opened up my eyes to uh, what it means to win a soul for Christ and what that spiritual warfare looks like, especially when we're talking about the rival between the Supreme Yahweh and these other gods that these other nations worship 
um, and what that warfare looks like. Like I said, don't have time to get into that today. But when you look at what it really, really means to win a soul to Christ, it's it's almost uh, actually like a, a a part of warfare because you're actually going into uh, the 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 territory, the territory of these other gods that were actually assigned these territories at the Tower of Babel. If you if you study that. Um, you would know that and you are rescuing people from those territories or it's like you're going into the enemy's camp as we had a song back in the day and you're taking uh, souls from that camp and you're winning them to Christ, to God's camp. Uh, so this whole realm of the sons of God and, you know, the scripture says, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall be like him. Well, at some point we are going to be also like the Elohim, not the supreme Elohim, but like this divine counsel in our spiritual selves where we're able to see fully what it is to be a part of this ecosystem of God. So the exploration of the divine counsel, particularly through, you know, Psalm 82 and the scholarly work of Dr. Heiser opens up a fascinating dimension of biblical interpretation. You know, it really challenged me and I believe it will challenge you to expand our understanding of the spiritual realm as it's presented in scripture Dr. Heiser really focuses on the language, the culture um, of the uh, Eastern, Middle Eastern um, cultures of that time. So get the right understanding of what the biblical writers really meant, what they said when they said certain things. So uh, the, you know, it really, really challenges us to uh, expand our understanding of the spiritual realm as it's presented in scriptures, you know, just taking the blinders off our, of our personal beliefs and getting the full understanding of what those writers uh, were saying as they were being inspired by God. And we have to recognize the complex hierarchy and the interactions between the divine beings and the one true God. So this deeper insight into the biblical text not only will enrich our theological understanding, but also inspire a more nuanced appreciation of the Bible's message. And I will say this, it really reminded me of God's sovereign rule, his commitment to justice, and just the intricate way uh, in which the divine and the human realms kind of intersect. There's so much more um, that we can get out of this. And this really encouraged me to study more, to learn more, um, and to even pick up some other uh, materials to get more understanding. But I'm telling you, once you get this, just this whole uh, ecosystem, like I keep calling it, of God and how it really, really works, everything will change from your understanding to your work, from your worship to your prayer life, your understanding of God, your understanding of the word of God. And it really will answer a lot of the questions you have. So I encourage you um, to read that if you uh, don't know where to get it or don't know um, uh, how to find it, you can go on uh, stacycamille.com and uh, I have a link there on the blog post about it. So click on that link and it will take you right to the book. 
And you can also explore other works from Dr. Heiser as well. Uh, So next week, I am going to also cover, actually for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to cover a couple of other things, a couple of other works from Dr. Heiser uh, that I was that really really helped me in my study, and I will revisit the unseen realm in a little bit more depth. So um, I'm open to a lot of conversation about this book. Um, and what did you think? I would love, love, love to hear that. So please uh, connect with me on uh, Twitter. You can get the link uh, straight to my social accounts on StacyCamille.com, and let me know what you think. All right, I will see you next week. God bless.